All right. Welcome, welcome to an episode of Ready, Set, Binge. I'm Jeremy Dove, and I'm joined by a very special guest, a man who I, you know, I don't say this too often, but I consider a peer when it comes to all all pop culture knowledge, TV, film, etc. And a man whose opinion I greatly respect when it comes to all these things, the one and only Steve Callahan. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Glad to be back. Well, glad to be on this podcast for the first time. Yeah. Not my first time doing a podcast with you, That's but it's my first time over here. So That's true. You know, being Steve did on uh, In the Zone with Jeremy and Jose, talked about our top five, you know, best Scorsese films, and that was a lot of fun and, you know, been great to catch up with you. It's been a little bit, but uh, I loved, to me, we did something we didn't just ease on into this, you know, it was our first podcast since like May. We went like a heavy hitter. This may be, this is one of the toughest, this might be the toughest topic I've had on any podcast I've done. It's, it's like, this is hard. Yeah, I just want to preface with all rules and like bylaws that I have to writing lists when it comes to top tens and pop culture and anything, sports, anything went completely out the window because this was difficult. Usually I like to not spend a whole lot of time in writing the list because then I get way too in my head about it. But this took me a week. This There is just so so much subject matter to cover to make this list that it was it was not an easy one to make. It definitely I feel like most times I'm not super challenged when it comes to making a top 10 list. If you give me a director, an actor, a genre, I, I usually feel I could be pretty to the point pretty quickly this this was definitely a challenge for me which is also why we picked it in our original discussion that this would be challenging for the both of us now and uh so we're doing top 10 greatest snl castmates of all time you know back in october you know so much has been going on in the world but you know saturday night live that you know 45th anniversary of when the show premiered you know october 11th 1975 the great george carlin was the first host of that show and Steve, I wanted to ask you, you know, you got 45 years worth of just comedic history, you know, right there on, you know, up in 30 Rock in New York. What were some of the things that you brought into picking that top 10? What were some of the criteria that you brought in? Uh, longevity. Um, you know, like basically like someone who is groundbreaking, uh, just like their their comedic their comedic principle, you know, like how funny are they actually? Not only like in certain scenarios, but just on like a more broader scale. Like, are they a role player, or or are they kind of the glue that holds it together? Which I know you covered that in another podcast you did on Will Ferrell, which is actually how this came about. You know, you talked about Will Ferrell kind of being like a guy who can stand in anywhere. Yeah, and so so that went into it. And uh, impact. So like impact that they made not only on the show for its, you know, for afterwards, afterwards, that person being there, but in comedy in general. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I looked at it as I've definitely three big things were impact, the versatility. And for me, for this list, it is your tenure on the show. I really looked at, you know, because just on what you did for SNL, 
is where I'm looking at it. Because uh, I'll give an example. I think one of the great comedic minds to ever come through Saturday Night Live is Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put Chris Rock on my list for greatest SNL cast members. Now, he's one of the best yeah. comedians to ever come through there and a great mind. And one, you know, but as far as what he did on SNL, I I can't put Chris Rock on for for my list. Yeah, I uh, Chris Rock did not make my list um, for the same reason, you know, kind of a short tenure and not a giant standout when it came to SNL. But I mean, his career, his comedy career is unmatched almost. Yeah, like as far as stand up goes, like you have other people that have done gone on to do stand-up you know the tens of people that did it but um chris rock has probably three out of the 10 most iconic stand-ups of all time absolutely absolutely which not to say that there's not other people that aren't in that that top 10 list as far as you know because i'm i'm pretty sure our lists are going to go at least somewhat in the same direction and you know we i have other iconic people outside of snl that were role players in there so same. for almost the same exact reasons just minus they had a better tenure yeah absolutely absolutely so this is uh and let me ask you this before we jump into the list where where would you say your your history personally with snl started from like when when did you first recognize the show or get into the show and and all that Okay, so I can actually tell you the first moment that I seen anything SNL. Okay. Um, I was up the mountains with my dad and that side of my family. And up there, it was like a real old like cabin style house. So there was no cable. There was no nothing like that. All there was was a DVD player and going through that like whatever they had there in dvds because we didn't bring anything there was a best of mike myers snl uh-huh. d- dvd and uh you know obviously i think i might have been 10 or 11 at that point and like knowing mike myers like oh that's austin powers this has got to be funny and then that introduced me to the wayne's world skits and so on and so forth you know, but that was my literal first moment of ever being exposed to SNL. But I know, like, I had some prior, like, it being on around me because uh, my grandparents liked it. Mm-hmm. But I, I just didn't. It wasn't recognizable yet. Gotcha. No, I. That, so how about you? What was your first? Mine. It was kind of at like the same. It was like a double whammy of. Uh... Around the same time when I first I got first got cable like the summer of ninety five, so I was turning six, and within that time, I remember and you know I have an older brother, so being able summertime you know to stay up later, and it was a combination of at nighttime I'm getting reruns of like the Farley kind of Sandler ish, uh you know reruns of that era of SNL, and in the daytime. And that's where I first met them right, or got introduced to them. Now, I had known who Eddie Murphy was because I had always, you know, from Nutty Professor to Coming to America, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills, got those movies played throughout my house and, you know, loved Eddie Murphy. But then daytime, Comedy Central used to re-air old school SNL and they released that summer. It was like every day it was the Eddie Murphy era of SNL. And that's when I got to see him. And that's when he went from like, I like this guy a lot to I love him. 
and yeah. just them seeing what he did on Saturday Night Live. And then just kind of, it's funny you mentioned Mike Myers because from like the Blues Brothers, I can say, and like Wayne's World, I knew the movies first before I knew they were sketches on SNL. So so did I. You know? That, that, that I can say that I remember being like seven or eight and watching Wayne's World. I'm almost positive that I seen Wayne's World 2 before that I seen the first one. But that was just by like a random watching it on like TNT or something. Right. But yeah. And I think, and though honestly seeing those movies and seeing like, you know, oh, like a lot of people, you know, and we're not alone in this, but you grow up watching a Bill Murray, you know, movies, Chevy Chase with the vacations, Ghostbusters and act like. And then seeing, like, hearing, like, oh, they all were on SNL. And then that made me dive into the history. Probably, I would say, middle school years is when I started just getting, like, involved in loving the history of SNL. And i probably say yeah. I like that more. That'll have me interested more than, like, something current with the show. You know, when there's a documentary or a, an article or a conversation about all-time SNL stuff or behind-the-scenes I get hooked on that more a lot of times than like the next episode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And like, especially like Lauren Michaels is, is wildly interesting. Mm-hmm. Like glad you said that. Like his, I, I could almost dig more into his life than anyone who's ever been a role player on SNL because it's, it's almost like until like, you know, the boom, the real boom of the internet and information, like it was almost like a secret, you know, yeah. I mean? like not, not too many people knew a whole lot about Lauren Michaels and like looking into him and all the projects that he's been involved in. It, 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 it very like SNL is the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Like he is truly like a comedy giant, like almost an unsung hero, if you will. No. And, and I think who, I think the only person who, doesn't even equal Lauren, but it's like more recently the closest. I said it on another podcast. Like Judd Apatow has an interesting where he's connected to so much of like recent comedy history, but Lauren can go back probably the last fifty to fifty-five years. He's intertwined with like pretty much all of like comedy history. I, I think that's also why I think Eddie Murphy sticks out was like that was someone. You know, Eddie Murphy came on there in those five years that Lauren had left the show. And that's like someone who like made it and it wasn't a Lauren creation. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of added to Eddie Murphy's lore to me. But you're right. Lauren, Lauren is still even with the Internet. And even though he's kind of done more interviews of the past few like decade, still very fascinating. Yeah, that's that's it's funny you say that because like I think that almost like him leaving and and then getting like people who were, you know, almost like maybe, you know, don't want to reveal too much. Maybe the most iconic people like that just shows what he he created doesn't need him to be incredible Mm -hmm. that like that. I think that that almost instead of like. You know, you would think that like him being away from it would take away from it. I think it almost adds to it. Oh, it it adds to the history. Is that that what you mean? The history of the show? Like no, like the speaking on the greatness of the show. Oh yeah, I think well, it adds to that, and it adds to the history. It adds to all of it because honestly, like right, yeah, you know, you think like 
what makes you want to come back. You know, usually you in life too, but in like show business, like you make it. You don't really. I guess now we're seeing it more with remakes and you know people bringing things. But for a while, it's like you move forward. You go from TV. He got into movies and other projects. Like you don't go back. But the fact that he did go back is fascinating, and the fact that it did last five years with him gone and it almost didn't, but then it did. It, it's all fascinating stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with you for sure. So since you are the guest and we got a lot to, to cover, this might be a two parter, you know, anchor only lets us do two hours at a, at a time recording. So no, it's, it's we're just gonna let it flow for our audience. Like you can't rush. This is, this is a tough list. Can't rush greatness, man. But I want to give you, First crack at your top 10. We're going to go back for our audience. We're going to go back and forth. He gives, Steve gives his 10. I'll give my 10 and so on and so forth. All right. So my number 10, uh, I doing this list. This is one of my most interesting picks. I think that the list almost felt wrong without this, because I wouldn't even say like super stand out, but like just to speak on the longevity piece, Keenan Thompson. Mm. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people <laughs> that, like, the, the number 10 spot was the hardest spot for me. Same. Because because I had to make all these honorable mentions. And to do an honorable mentions list would take me a whole nother podcast. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, I have a couple that I would like to talk about, but that's it. But, uh, you know, he has great moments, of course. You know, his his sway skits are one of my in my top 10 favorite skits ever to be on SNL. I think he does it perfect, but he is a guy that you can literally put in any skit. And he's been in thousands. He's I, I can't remember the exact number of seasons, but he's almost on a second decade of being a role player. right? Yeah, now. he's easily he's uh he's definitely the longest tenured. I, I feel like he's got to be. Like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, years I'd now? say over fifteen. The last I remember, I think I think he might be right at twenty almost because I, th- I remember them talking of being about seventeen because seventeen being was the longest. I think he's well. He came on. I looked it up. Uh, oh three. So, oh, so he is at seventeen. Yeah, okay, seventeen. I guess maybe going on eighteen, but yeah, he's close. It's close to two decades. That's two decades to be part of some of the greatest comedy ever is just insane like i I just felt like the list felt wrong without him i i hear you i didn't put keenan on my he he hits the honorable mention due to you know you're the longest tenured cast member in the show's history Uh, i'll say this i feel like that first when keenan in the 2000s in my opinion i kind of felt like for a long time he was keenan from nickelodeon still yeah, and I and it's funny. I agree with that. Like his first ten year, like or not first, I'd say first five years in in the, in the cast. Like, how many times could you really break the fourth wall and make the Keenan and Kel Orange soda reference? Yeah, and like, but after that, like once he kind of got his own footing as a comedian, like a standalone comedian outside of like you know adolescent comedy, like I I think. I think he didn't get enough credit fast enough. I think if he got more credit and more time earlier, he would probably be higher in my list. Yeah, I I think that I'll say this. He's still going, which is strong, and he's definitely picked it up. Like, 
I think after a certain time, these more recent years, hey, and I think like in a few years, I kind of I could add def he could be almost like a slam dunk on a top ten list. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's why he was he's in my honorable mention because he did step it up. He's someone who I kind of thought I'm not gonna lie. I was wondering. I'm like, is it just by name recognition? Right, those first like five, six, seven years, I was like, why is he? He doesn't do anything on the show. Um, but he definitely has kind of changed that. And I say within the past, within the past decade, he stepped it up. And in the past like five, six years, you can put him in like he's one of the best members of the cast. Even he went to like that level, and and so that's why I'm kind of want to see where his SNL arc ends. And who knows right. when that ends, like you can kind of look back and he, he could be a top 10 or a top five guy for now. It's kind of hard as makes this list hard. And I don't think that's a bad pick at all. It's just like where, I don't know if he's quite there. Okay. I mean, I, I totally under, like, that's the one I understand either way. Yeah. You know? Um. So what's, so what's your top, what's your number 10? My number 10 is this was also the hardest for me. And I could see this one. Getting like, you know, what? That's crazy, blah, blah, blah. But I believe for a lot of different reasons, and we'll go into it throughout this this episode about SNL, but there's something to me that can't be understated for those who can be the striping it, just killing it star in a sketch, or that person who is that glue who holds the sketch together and plays the straight man or that versatility. They can do so many different characters. And we've always heard about the history, you know, Saturday night live and being a boys club and, and all that. And it's, it, you know, which I totally see. And, and I'm glad that they have been trying to work on that, but I feel like it kind of got shattered in the early two thousands by a certain group of ladies who really, kind of took off and kind of just, you know, killed that whole boys club vibe there. And I couldn't decide between those ladies in that era, but the one I picked for number 10 was Maya Rudolph. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the pick. Uh, I definitely have a few, a few ladies on my list. And like, I think, you know, I, I, there's going to be times I talk about almost the same thing because like SNL was definitely a man dominated sport, if you will. Mm -hmm. And because like, think about like where they were pulling from, uh, you know, the groundlings, second city, especially second city. That's why I couldn't remember the name of the other one. Like those two things are like, uh, man dominated improv troops. So, like, you have, like, I'm trying to think who came right from the Groundlings in Second City. I know Farrell did. Um, oh, most of them uh, uh, came right from, like, that. Um, Will Farrell, you can look at. Maya Rudolph did. Uh, Kristen Wiig did. So many, you mm-hmm. know, and then in the Second City part, you have uh, from, you know, Ackroyd and Belushi and Bill Murray throughout. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, so many came from that, those places. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think that's that shocks me at all you know like i i feel like it's it's so hard to to pick between the women because they were there there is certain ones that i feel are wildly overrated Mm -hmm. and just because they were involved in that era 
at, but there's other ones that I think just don't get enough credit. That one really the standout being Maya Rudolph. Yeah. And I think just looking at what she did, even in her time, but even like, and I know, but I, I still, when you stripe it and kill it, even though you left, but it's on SNL. And even from like what she did, who stood out the, the Saturday with Dave Chappelle and that cold open, but Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris, like, and has just really nailed it. And the range of characters and, and impersonations she's been able to do, which to me held a lot of sketches together and that you had that versatility was so clutch and so key. And to me, she also had it where, like I said earlier, she killed it. Like when she did a Beyonce, you know, impression, but also just kind of uh, being yeah. that, that odd friend or like the wife in a sketch, like, and that versatility is huge that, like you said, other ladies who I respect of that era, but didn't do that well. You know what I mean? And Maya Rudolph did. And I think that versatility and being that great utility player is huge on a comedy show and especially a sketch comedy show like SNL. And to be able to just to put her anywhere was huge for that time. So that's why she's my number 10. And why I really like Maya personally is – is there's nothing forced about her. Right. And, and the Beyonce thing is my favorite thing she's ever done. Like the, uh, the lemonade skin Mm -hmm. after Beyonce put the lemonade album out and like the abusive Beyonce thing. It it, it just, it's incredible. She's, and like the way she just like the way, like her vocal projection and like the way she like tinges her voice, like for different, like, I don't know. I just, I love everything she does. Uh, I think she's just funny in general. Absolutely. No, she always, and even I'll say this, one of the, when SNL had the 40th anniversary, one of the funniest things to me is when they're doing the whole thing, you know, different former great um, old, like, characters were doing musical stuff, and her, her as Beyonce and Martin Short were hosting it, and the part where she's singing and the wind's blowing, and Martin Sheen's, like, acting like the wind's going to blow him over and can barely, like... And it's credit to Maya and also the great Martin Martin Short, but like, it, it's just one of the funniest things and how she striped it there for the SNL 40th, like with all those great legends coming back. So Maya, to me, I I, I hope her name gets talked about more. It does with those ladies in the early 2000s, but I think even individually, she should get discussed more for what she's done on SNL. Yeah, absolutely. So who's your number nine? Uh, my number nine, funny, is I was going to get into the same conversation. Different person, same thing, but to break the gender barrier would be Tina Fey. Mm. Um, I, I could just tell you right off the bat that her counterpart didn't make it because her uh, Amy Poehler is one of the people who I feel is very overrated. I do too. And I feel if you take Tina Fey away from Amy Poehler, she's not as funny. And, but if you but Tina Fey on her own, we have seen is is very funny, and she's a Pennsylvania native, <laughs> and unfortunately from Delco, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I I mean as far as like once again speaking on longevity and the uh, the Sarah Palin skit is is one of the best things yeah SNL has ever produced. Um. You know, I, I really don't have a ton, you know what I mean, to speak on the catalog and all that because she's she, – what I liked about her, she's made it through almost three full eras. 
you know, she was like in that initial class of the women breaking up the boys club. And then she went in to like move on, like along with like the Sandbergs and the haters and, yeah, and all that. And she has like what I think she provides a lot of balance to a skit, you know, because like when you have somebody like, say, Andy Samberg, you know what I mean? You know, the wacky, zany comedy, which like some people find funny, some people don't, um, you know, she is able to just like be able to coast through a skit. Like all kind of like the same way I said about my Rudolph unforced. And I think that she just speaks for a lot when when it comes to looking at the things she's done and how natural she is and that she can once again kind of just be put anywhere definitely i wouldn't give her the star category but i would definitely give her a solid stripe i i she was honorable mention and because for me i wasn't thinking about her cause I didn't, we didn't go over but i was like the sarah palin sketch is to me from the year 2000 21st century snl it's it's on Mount Rushmore of the best things that they've done on the show. Yeah. And I was by my she wasn't a cast member then, but still it was her on SNL. And to me, I don't care if you did a good if you're a former cast member and you hosted well, like that doesn't matter. But if you do something iconic and it stripes it, that still counts. Like I still put that as a check for you, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I get into that with somebody else. Yeah as well that's because a lot i mean most like notable alumni come back to host. yeah but like who like not many have re-cemented right why they were and, and, and why i put maya rudolph on my list because i think her the things she's done even as of this past year on snl even after she's done a cast mate put her over the edge and tina fey got her an honorable mention because of the palin now, I don't put her on because – now, if you ask, like, most important people, she's a, probably a top fiver for me. Uh, yeah. I look at a lot of her contributions for writing and being the first female yeah. head writer, and that's kind of where – and for me, like, I really – like you said, uh, the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, kudos that as the first female duo to host Weekend Update, but didn't really dig it too much. Um, her with Jimmy Fallon, I think was was good. It, it wasn't great, and to me, like that was really I think of Tina Fey's run was like the Weekend Update, and I I I do knock you as great as even if you can kill a Weekend Update, if that's really what you have as far as a performer, that I I don't count that for like as to be on an all time list. Like it's a great stuff, like yeah. but if you just have really. The weekend update desk, and that's it. Uh, you kind of lose traction with me. Which I can tell you, that's a hundred percent the reason Michael Che didn't even make it into my honorable mentions. Uh, that's the reason for Che. That's the reason for uh, Norm McDonald. And I thought Norm on Weekend Update was hilarious. I still watch those clips, yeah, but Norm is one of my favorite comedians yeah. ever. And like, just because of my love for deadpan humor, but um. He also did not make it anywhere anywhere near the list. You know what I mean? Because like when I think Norm, I do not think SNL. No, I think just I think a weekend up. I do think a weekend update. I I, I think it's, he's the best to do. It's funny though for me. Still, yeah, it's it's funny though that I almost see weekend update as its own entity, right? Like aside from SNL, you know, because there's been plenty of people great for weekend update 
not good for SNL, maybe outside of the writers. Absolutely. Absolutely. A weekend update kind of is its own. I mean, Dennis Miller, you know, made, made yeah. a career out of that. And all he, he, he was an update guy and, and they have like update writers and on the show, like they, who were just there for the weekend update. So it, it is, it is its own entity. You're right. And it, it, it kind of like, I, I give it kudos and praise. Like you said, with Colin Yost and Michael Che, like they do a great job together, but, yeah, you're, you'll get praise for that, but I'm not going to put you on an all-time list or anything like that. Yeah, you, yeah, you're not going to hit hit the greats category. But for me. T- Tina Fey is definitely, uh, you know, I think I, I, I'll be shocked. Maybe who knows if there's someone who we're like, what? But like, which could happen, but I don't think so. Knowing knowing myself and Steve, but I, I'll go number nine was on ten was the hardest. For like, there's a few people. Number nine was the one. I'll be honest; it's weird to say, but I kind of at first was like not going to make the list, but then thinking it over throughout the week, put it made the list. And I, you would think he, that person would be ten, but they're nine because of like in that thing that you said and I did too. Impact the impact is huge. My number nine is Chris Farley. <sighs> wow. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, well, I'll ask okay. you why. Wow, like too high, too low, shouldn't make the list. Let me hold on. Let me make sure. Eh, no, never mind. I I take my wow away. I retract my wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I one. Uh, here here's my initial wow though. I did not think he was going to make your list. I really didn't. I think because being that comedy is subjective, I I honestly didn't think that I thought there might I thought he might if he was gonna I guess because it's not yeah so my my thought was that if he was going to be on your list he was going to be number 10 that's okay. what that was my thought because because you know how you make your list with the other person's list right 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 like and like I try to make my list as as least pretentious as I can but sometimes it's <laughs> difficult but, but um, yeah. Well, I'll say this. Why he did make is because of the biggest thing to me is cultural impact. And the fact that so many sketches from Matt Foley to the Chippendale sketch to, you know, Dub Bears, like, are still a part of the lexicon 30 years later. And the fact that he striped it, you really look at Farley's time I feel like he was there for about four and a half years and in that time to really stick out and maybe what you could people may say the most talented SNL cast because you still have the holdovers from that Phil Hartman Dana uh, Carvey Kevin Neal that that was like mid to late 80s people are still there and in the early 90s you have Farley Sandler you know Spade Rock all these people kind of come on and there's so much talent and the fact that everyone a part of that show, they asked, who's the funniest guy? Who's the funniest person on SNL? They're pointing at Chris Farley. And the fact that he did just, I am someone who's big on versatile. I think he, as a performer, he was versatile because there's so many, I think, you know, even smaller sketches that like we forget about that Chris Farley killed it in. And, you know, him even being on the side with the update and with the quotation marks, you know, I guess I am divorced. And 
am clinically depressed. <laughs> like things like that, like crack you up. Or I remember even reading an article, um, probably a few, I want to say earlier this year about the anniversary of his death and someone putting up a sketch. I had forgotten, but I remember once I rewatched it, one of his funnier ones is when he's on the weekend update sketch and he's that he's telling a story. He's trying to tell a story and he keeps going. And then, and then, and wait a minute and wait a minute. And he doesn't get to the story, but just keeps it going. And it's like, Steve, it's like three minutes long of him just doing, and hold on and hold on. He like starts laughing, but he doesn't get to it. And you think like, who else could do that and pull it off? It's simple. And has you dying. And for how long he was doing it, and he, like, you're kind of, you know, like, you get the bit right away, but you're still hooked on it. And I yeah. think that's something that people, yeah. I think, under, like, forget is he definitely killed it with the physical slapstick humor, which is for a guy his size was impressive. But he did have, you know, the side, he could be a, a utility player and still make you laugh, you know, kill it and just kind of kill it, you know, for the, the, the sloppy Joe with Adam Sandler makes me like, he just had a lot of versatility and the impact that Chris Farley had on that show and his comedy is huge. And so that's why I couldn't keep him off the list. So he's my number Um, nine. Yeah. I mean, I just, I I couldn't agree more with you that the Chris Farley could, is one of those people to absolute mastery could turn nothing into something. Just because of his presence. Yeah. Like, when when you speak on comedy presence, like, really on the big screen and in SNL, there's not too many people that talk. And For sure. The, the fact that, like, his chemistry with other people, like, obviously with David Spade, who did not make my list, um, it, it's just he can turn the smallest stripes on the board into stars. That you know what I yeah. mean? Because like I personally don't believe Spade was that great. I I like Spade as an actor, and I like him, you know, slightly otherwise. But like as far as like SNL goes, there, no Spade was not. not yeah, if you know that was not that that wasn't a slam dunk or a layup or a brick. And in my opinion, it was an air ball. It was an air ball. Yeah. Um, like if you ask me to to recant something from spade snl i'm probably gonna have to use google and that's not like me at all you know you know what i mean you know what i mean but, mm-hmm. but farley no i do it, it iconic is the only way you can really which is most people on this list but he just he's one of those people that takes it to another level and, and he's one of those people i mean i know tommy boy has traction and people that, that definitely over the years got a great cult following but it, it's really strictly like his SNL stuff, in my opinion, that when I think you, what is great about Chris Farley, Tommy Boy, which I do love Tommy Boy, but that's secondary. Like, it's all his SNL stuff to me is where I'm like, and that's something that I don't know. I mean, this is strictly based on what you do on SNL, but there's maybe only one other person I think who can kind of, I, I will say, is like like that on this on okay. my list anyway. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that he made your list. That makes me feel. That makes me feel good about my yep. list. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your what's your uh, number? My eight? number eight is Dana Carvey. Um, okay. I feel like he's kind of the dark horse on the list because he's very circumstantial to his time period. 
But that being said, absolutely one of the best impressionists to ever be on the show. And kind of not mm-hmm. talked about enough, in my opinion. His, age, his, his George Bush Sr. impression, that, that spawned almost an era of impressions. And, like, he has so many, like, if, if I just, like, scroll down the list of impressions that he's done, that's, that, truly, that's the reason he made it on this list. There's other people who are on the list who also get the impressionist nod, but, man, his, the ones he did, he really knew his wheelhouse, and, and, and he just did them so incredibly. And also, you know, the Wayne's World stuff. Like Garth is is one of the best yeah. characters ever to be on television and or movies. Um, I just <laughs> it, it's it's so simple. Like obviously a lot of the great stuff is in the movies, but um, I just it, when when I initially when we talked about this, like doing this list, he was one of the first people to come to mind for me. Like I feel like when when the list was brought up, mm-hmm. my number one was just cemented. It. Like, I, I don't feel like there's many options for a number one, but I knew that he would be somewhere on the list and I had to find him a home in my list. But you know. I, I, I can't, not only that, I'll, 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 he's even higher on my list. I'll, I'll save it for when it gets there, but I have Dana Carvey even higher. And everything you said is true, but I, I'll save it for when he comes on my list, but I, I, I'll go more. I, I, I have. Yeah, I mean, higher. and I'm not mad at that. I'm, I'm I'm not. I, I yeah. like I was trying to find him a place higher on the list, but you know a lot of the like let's say the top five on mine, I went really really like into detail thinking about it, and there was just certain things mm-hmm. that like weighed outweighed him, as much as like because I wanted him to be higher. So then I'm questioning my bias, putting him higher in the list. So that's basic basically. No, I hear list. you he was a little bit lower into the list. No, I got you. I totally, and I, I, I'll, I'll get into it when I get to him on mine, but okay. Number eight for you. So my number eight is his counterpart. That's Mike Myers. Okay. And, and he's on my number eight and I gotta be honest. He's not, if this was a favorite list, I mean, the list would be different. Oh, totally. But he's someone probably was the hardest who I really had to put the bias away for and being like, because Mike Myers as far now, as far as his movie career and stuff, phenomenal. Love Mike Myers, but as SNL didn't hit it for me, but what I will say and why I put him on here is you got to look at, I think, you know, Wayne's world as far as a recurring sketch, I I think might be the most iconic of Mm -hmm. SNL. You know, like, like there, there's certain ones that maybe just striped it. And, like, I don't count, like, the political stuff. Like, that's a different thing for me. Like, the like you said, with George H.W. Bush or Will Ferrell's George W., that's, I mean, like, recurring characters. I think Wayne's world is pretty tough to beat. There's some that can rival, but tough to beat as far as just iconic and just how much that influenced the culture and the impact of it. But just you're going to get props for me for for that honestly but i will have to say his, his coffee talk that was a huge impact and i think that's why i give him in a time where there's so many people that you're competing for airtime in that era you know he comes in like 89 
I, I got to say, he did well with the, you know, Spinter or whatever, like those little sketches like, or Dieter, those little catches, sketches like really like came in there. And I feel like he was that guy, you know, love sports. So how he, he would take maybe 10 shots a game, right? Or like under, but he still would like dominate the game. Like in basketball, you think like, oh, you people who shoot a lot. But there's some people who take eight, 10 shots, but they control the game and they make their impact. And you're like, well, he only took eight shots. I feel like Mike Myers to me really did that well and better than almost anyone where when he took his shots, he killed it every time and they left an impact no matter how unique and different they were. They did and, and really showed his range as a performer and writer as that writer performer on the show. So that's why I put him on number. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally, I, 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 I'll just, I'll just be honest. He didn't make my list. But he was, he was my number you. one honorable mention, literally because of all the things you're saying. Oh. So we were in the same school mm-hmm. of thought. And I, I don't know why that yeah. I felt almost I had to pick one or the other. And I picked – With Dana Carvey yeah, and Mike and, Myers? and I picked Carvey. Um, but, yeah, like if you look at all things weighed in, how many people – there must be, I don't know, 10 – that can rival the career they made from SNL, you know, like as, as far as yeah. being as important in SNL as they were not like the, like the, you know, the flash in the pans and then went on to do other things, you know, his sketches from SNL birthed his movie career. And, Absolutely. And, you know, like I think as far as if you look at the timeline that the Wayne's World skit is so iconic that there is probably a large school of people that don't know that's from SNL. That's how iconic it is, you know. Absolutely, you know? I didn't. We talked earlier. We I thought they were just the movie. It blew my mind when watching SNL reruns and to see you know Wayne and Garth, and I'm like, this is where it started from, and you know, it blew my mind. And Aerosmith come, how iconic when Aerosmith came in the basement, you yep. know, on SNL, like so cool. Yeah, I, I I just I totally agree, and I I I kind of wish that he did make my list. It was just like I don't know, you know how it goes. Some people get weighed out. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I felt that when you said Keenan, that that I was like, I, like I feel like he should, and like I feel like if we I, we do this again, like a few years from now, it's like. Duh! Why? Like, why didn't I have Keenan? Like, Ke- but I'm like, just right now, I'm I I don't feel it yet. But so I, I hear you, I hear you. But I, I want to hear what's your number? Your number seven. Uh, so my number seven is Farley. Um, so we kind okay. of already covered exactly. Like, I mean, I honestly, I probably couldn't say it as perfect as you did. Like, you know, we went back and forth about him already. Um, I just so iconic. So, like, comedic, honestly, genius. He, you know, things he said, you know, I'm kind of just repeating everything you said that, like, there, there is people no, that quote the things cool. that he says without even knowing that's where it came from. Yeah. So, um, and I think if, if you list the top 10 most iconic SNL sketches, the Chippendales has to be in the top 10. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's hard for it not to be whenever like, you know, like say back a few years ago, like VH1 would do your like behind the scenes on SNL stuff and 
Like that would always be in the B-roll clips. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. I can picture it yep. in front of me. That's I don't know. It's just Farley and SNL are synonymous to each other. No, I I think that the the Chippendales is a guaranteed top ten sketch in that show's history, and I think Matt mm-hmm. Foley is close that that could be a top. T- it, it's right. It's honorable mention if it's not in there. But the first time he does Matt Foley with Christina Applegate like on there and stuff like that's an iconic moment too. Yeah, so, and like yeah. how many how many people use the phrase "I live in a van down by the river." Like, and, and, yeah. you know, I probably, most people probably don't even know where it comes from. You know what I mean? Like, and it's funny, like, I hear that, I say that, I hear the Farley voice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. I, I love him and I'm not biased because of Tommy Boy and being Tom Callahan and my last name's Callahan. Uh, but it's funny that how oh, early yeah. I was exposed to Farley because of that. Like, there's, you know, it, it's just, yeah. I've heard that my entire life. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like Tommy Boy. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Or other things like Dirty Harry or, you know, but yeah, Tommy Boy for sure. It's, it's, and I remember that movie is one of my dad's favorite movies. And I, and, you know, personally for me, like if we're talking Farley movies, I think Black Sheep is the better movie. Um, Okay. Yeah, I, I I always kind of catch flack for that, but um, there's not many people as iconic through um, where I think a lot of people who who died young, right? And like not to term this morbid, mm-hmm. be, be, become no, no. become great posthumously. And, but I don't think it would have mattered. No, I agree, and I agree with everything you said that some people how i'll be honest right james dean i i mean sad story i don't know if james dean's gonna be this great hollywood actor like a legend you know what i mean like yeah with if he i mean i'm sorry that he had passed so young but i i don't know i don't i'm not like that's a lock and there's certain other people i don't know that it's a lock chris farley because of the and i think that's one thing i i think with the him passing away and people you know from the books and documentaries like you said comedic wise how much of a genius he was and he it's not just you know quote unquote the big fat guy doing and could he do those easy jokes yeah but there was a lot of athleticism and timing and versatility you talk about the movies with chris farley and we know the ones he headlined but even him in coneheads or in billy madison and he's in supporting characters but like he pops off at the screen to you, like you know those aren't his films. But like he jumped out and like his, like and that's what I'm thinking. That's that's the genius in him that I think I'm glad people talk about, and I still think people forget about when they think about him. But like he he was a genius. Like yeah, I that. mean one of my favorite supporting characters that he's ever played, and like this movie is not that great of a movie. Like I hold like a personal nostalgia place to it, but Dirty Work. I, the, yeah. the, the man yeah. who got his nose bit off by a Saigon whore. It, yes, it, yeah. it's it's, it's incredible. Like the scene where they're at the car dealership and the trunk pops open, 
and and then she's in there and then he comes into frame and he's like there she is yeah <laughs> I, I i just like his the way he says things and the way you know what i mean he the way he like molds like you know the things he says are very basic but the way he molds them in his own way is just it's just amazing like his his cadence oh, yeah. is so out of this world it's insane because it's it's like that loud it's a combination like loud obnoxious like midwest but like kind of like like sarcastic douchey but like sweet too like you did, you couldn't get mad there's a, a whole like even in and I was you know, because this could we could go on about Chris Farley, and I'll, but even like in the Matt Foley sketch when he's talking to David Spade and he's like, "I want to be a writer," he's like, "Well, Dad, like we got old Bill Shakespeare over here." Like in the way he just says that, like you're right, it's simple. It wasn't like, "Oh wow," but that's the way he fra- he called said, like that little choice of he could have said William Shakespeare, but him saying he called him Bill Shakespeare had me just die. I, I laugh at that part <laughs> yeah. every time, and it, it just you know it's just hilarious. Yeah, definitely. Like, just like the little tiny add-ons, like almost seems like the like the last minute thoughts are are the best part of what he does. Like, they, so like good. just like the Bill, like the Bill Shakespeare thing. The the oh, you mean Herbie Hancock? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and just how sure he is in his voice. You know what I mean? That's just amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So that, that's, that's your I'm number struggling. seven. So my number seven, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with. To me, she, this person was the first person ever to be casted, SNL history, um, someone who just to me really striped it. And at the maybe the height of when SNL was a boys' club, those first those golden five years, she really broke through, and even with some of the most sexist, closed-minded people on that show couldn't help but love her and want to perform and write with her. And number seven for me is Gilda Radner. So this is going to be an awkward transition because my next person is Gilda Radner. Um, we we could kind of, we'll both kind of, this will be your seven and I mean, my seven, your six. So we'll both kind of, kind of talk. So since she's your six, you, you go first. Um, then. She is the one like, in the scope of SNL and in the scope of comedy that really gave legs to women being involved in, in what was so inclusive. And not only that, it wasn't even like in, in, you know, from what I've seen, what I've watched, what I've gone back and viewed that it was just like a gimme, you know what I mean? Like, like Mm -hmm. I hate to use this term, but like the token woman on the show, she held her, she held her weight. And, you know, obviously also passed very young. And, uh, mm-hmm. but man, I wish, I wish we could have seen that play out farther. You know, and it's funny, like, like, correct me if I'm wrong, that she was married to Gene Wilder, right? She was, yeah. The sense of humor you had to be to be married to a kook like that. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I I couldn't I couldn't do the list without her. You could because no no leave iconic out. Absolutely one of the most prolific players, and and yeah. and, and um, absolutely the most of, ahead of her time. 
For sure. And, and, and I think for all the people who, if you like the Amy Polers, the Kristen Wiggs, you know, all, you know, Sherry O'Terry, even Kate McKinnon now, they all owe, you know, gratitude to Gilda and the what Gilda did on there and the range from, you know, with the nerds, her chemistry with Bill Murray was phenomenal. I mean, and we know that they had off off screen, they, you know, dated, but that's phenomenal chemistry with Bill Murray to, you know, the Baba Wawa, you know, for, for Barbara Walters, Roseanne, Rosanna, Rosanna Dana, it, you, she just, she just striped you and like just came off the screen at you. But I think even like the one like short film that you see back in the day where she's like this, they're like talking about some perfume. And she's like this model and she's like, you know, doing the whole, it's like black and white and she's playing off of that so well. And she has that French accent. Like you just, you, there's something about it where I get it, where I think like, cause she dated, you know, from Bill Murray, Martin mm-hmm. Short, uh, I think another Murray, a lot, a lot of those guys dated Gilda and they said it, but there's something that you could not help, but just, just love her. And I think that's so true. And like you just you're gravitated toward her and she has that vibe of, yeah, you just want to hang out with her. And through that comedy, like I like her and she she would fit into me. It seems like not that she would want to, but like those those douchey kind of guys who are cracking the jokes that probably like ah, not everyone would really want to hear. They would let her come in and she'd be funny there or with the lady. She's funny with the nerd. She just hit every every, I guess, uh, gra- uh, you know, like every, like kind of like parts of life. And like, you saw that and that versatility in her, I, I always thought was great. And, and someone, you know, who she was bad, she battled, you know, different, you know, illnesses, even while on SNL. Yeah. But I do wonder like what it could have been like if she, she wasn't so sick and seeing what her career would have done. Cause I think she would have been someone who would have picked her, her roles wisely. Yeah. She, you know, a lot of people, you know, you see just comedian through and through. She was like an artist type to me. Like, yeah, you could feel like her warmth in the things that she did. You know what I mean? Like you can definitely tell anything that kind of had her touch to it. And like, there was never a role that she did inside of a skit or anything like that. That just didn't make sense for her. You know what I mean? Like, because even the greats have things where I'm like, ah, why would they do that? You know what I mean? Not that it hurts their career to any degree, but that like everything, even if maybe it didn't on paper, she made it make sense, which is not easy to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I like that kind of an agreeance there. So since that was your six, she's my seven, I'll give my six. Mm-hmm. And also someone. I I feel this person from the year 2000 to now is the best cast member they've hired on SNL, and that's Bill Hader. And I think he's someone even that maybe in a few years we look back could rise up on a list, but I put him at number six on mine. I have to go with Bill Hader because I think in the token of certain other people who I'll name later – he fits the all that all around SNL guy of can do it all, can hold a sketch together, can do great impressions, can play 
just average Joe, straight man, can be kind of off the wall, kooky, like Stefan. I feel the way you talk about Amy Poehler, Seth Myers, as far as a performer, probably owes more than half of his paycheck, in my opinion, to Bill Hader. Because I, I know Seth Myers was, you know, a, a writer. He's a head writer there. But I never was a Seth Myers guy, even when he did update, except for when Stefan. Yeah, would come if on. you would have let me be in the building during an update with Seth Myers, I would have booed from the crowd. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it yeah. was never for me. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Honestly, I just don't ever find him funny. Um, <laughs> I don't either. Uh, but Bill Hader, man, like. Uh, I'm not going to go too far in, but Bill Hader is, yeah. is incredible. You know how much I love Bill Hader. Um, I can't wait to see the legacy he really left. It's too soon to tell, obviously. obviously exactly. But he he paved a lot of ways for a lot of people. I feel like there's a lot of people that definitely owe him a percentage. You know, when it comes to like, like you said, Seth Meyers, that 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 was funny because like that was my example too. That he made, I was literally, I I was literally going to say that he made Seth Meyers seem relatively kind of funny, um, which has to be yeah. almost an impossible task because he's painful to me. Um, and like I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from his writing ability because I'm sure if he ended up in the writer's room that he's a good writer. Um, but some, yeah, he some yeah. people are very funny on paper but not very funny in person um, because he like, you know, Bill Hader can always learn a new impression. Seth Myers could never grow a personality. All right, <laughs> I'm done hating on Seth Myers, but yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's to say, I don't want to hate on him, but I feel, I feel even in a way now, this guy to me has proven his worth as far as stand up. But I feel like John Mulaney owes a lot to to Bill Hader because a lot of those and they were partner. I mean, they were right, you know, those get. But like, I don't know if we really know John Mulaney at first. Now he's proven it because his stand up, I, I will give him is is it's it's not bad. It's funny. I think mean, some people love it more than I do. I like it. Um, but John Mulaney, I think, owes a bit to him. I it's just a lot of people to me, and I feel like. From him doing Keith Morrison, I mean, what he did with Clint Eastwood, John Malkovich, like so many things on that show, he just striped yeah. it and really killed it. And like, the versatility he has is huge. And and to me, he's been the best cast. As far as someone who got hired in the past 20 years, number one is Bill Yeah, Hader. so I don't disagree with you at all. I think – in 10 years, Bill Hader is going to have a solid argument for number one. Um, I can hear, I can hear uh, that. I, like, obviously, time will tell. But that being said, when we said about people coming back and doing skits that were good, like, you know, that weren't just like a layup that they were in, um, Bill Hader's The Puppets, where the, the yeah. puppet trainings, is absolutely in my top two favorite things he's ever done. The the war puppet that is him, the war veteran puppet. I I love that skit. I'm I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as I did from SNL as from from that skit. Just like because there's so many elements to the things he does, like just being naturally funny, but like the shock value of the things that the puppet says 
it, it's just it, that that skit. I could talk all day about that skit. That skit personally is what revived my love for SNL. Um, cause I was, I was kind of wow. out of it for a while, you know, cause like you can only take so much of yeah. Andy Sandberg and like, that's really it. And I just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, like at the end of haters era was kind of like a dry spot for me. You know, there was, there was a lot yeah. of people I just wasn't fan of and like certain people that I really like. But like maybe weren't the best. Like I'll I'll say it right now, Pete Davidson. Like I th- I think Pete Davidson is really funny in the background. But that's mm-hmm. about the extent of it, you know. And like we're making these guys into their lead players because they don't really have too much to choose from. And which yeah. like inevitably, if a show runs for as long as SNL has, obviously that's going to happen. I'm sure there's also bad episodes of The Simpsons. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how much some subject matter can you really cover? And, but yeah. It, it, it's a testament to SNL that, I mean, granted, I think the formula is always, I mean, granted, it can always, it can flop. So I don't want to, I take that back in a way. Like the, the formula is there, but they seem to revive themselves just when it's like, man, maybe we should wrap this show up. Either it's an election season and that booms it or something else comes along that gives it enough energy to kind of like, all right, it's back in the uh, it's back in and on everyone's mind and then the pop culture stratosphere. And it's like, that's why you keep it on the air. So, yeah, um, I, I, I agree. I, I, I give you, I, 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 you it feels like every time it's on, it's downswing and it's like, wow, is SNL finally going to wrap itself up? then something just incredible emerges from it. So I, I it's, it's a yeah, constant. It really, it really is. It's, it's a staple. So, so that, that's my six. Who's your five? My number five is, I'm sorry. I am flipping through notes. Uh, my my no number problem. five. It, I love the Yeah. I, I took a bunch of notes for this. Um, it, it was almost <laughs> impossible to do without, cause usually I could just make a list yeah. and I know where I'm going, but there's so much, subject matter that it's it is if you're not doing notes it's kind of a disservice to what i'm trying to get at because i'll get lost in some stuff but uh number five is will ferrell i'm i'm not Mm. sure if he made your list but i'm almost gonna say by that noise that he didn't um (laughs) (laughs) i'll keep quiet i'll keep your, your time your time but um like kind of like almost in the same breath as like Mike Myers or Farley, some of the most iconic, a guy you could put anywhere, uh, naturally funny. And what I love about personally about Will Ferrell is the polarity that he's just like a normal guy. And he's yeah. not like one of these people that have gone through all these traumatic life events to find comedy and tragedy. He's just a normal guy. <laughs> and he just, mm-hmm. he's there's so much like, obviously when he was done SNL, when his run came to an end and he's one of the people truthfully that I did the most research on. Cause I wanted to make sure I had a good argument for him being, especially in the center of my list for what he went from in the beginning to where he ended and then where he projected himself towards is just incredible. Like one of the best upswings into stardom ever. You know, when it comes through, like, from the end of his 
time at SNL, tonight at the Roxbury, and then so on and so forth. And <laughs> there was just certain things that he can do over and over again where it doesn't, like, go to nauseam, unlike other people. Um, like, and his George W. Bush is unmatched. There's, there's got to be yeah. thousands of comedians that have j- done a, a GW impression. His is just perfect. To the point where he literally did a comedy special as George W. Bush. Absolutely. And, which is an incredible piece. I love it. It was very good. HBO. And I remember, I remember that coming up. Yeah, it was called A, a Night with George W., right? And mm-hmm. that coming up. And I'm like, there is no way this can be that funny for that long. Um, and I watched it and I was like, wow, this is incredible. And, and also like one of the most iconic people when it comes to creating a duo that you can put him with anybody and he makes them funny because he just bounces so well. Absolutely. I, I, uh, I can't say any more to that. Will Ferrell is, is an all timer. He is phenomenal and, and okay. I wasn't sure where you, I figured you would have to put him on the list. I didn't know where you'd put him on. So that's very interesting. But I, I, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Yeah. So, you know, so he's your number, number five. five. So my number five is to me the guy who I think is the best of the original cast. And the original cast, obviously, so much gratitude's owed to them because where would we be without those first five years? And some of it plays well today, some of it doesn't, you know, all that. But to me, the guy who is number one from the five years is Dan Aykroyd. And I put him at number five because we talk about the utility players, the glue guys, the original, that was Dan Aykroyd. And we see it from what he was able to do with the Blues Brothers, with Belushi, and that's his creation. Even with as far as, you know, Belushi was not a blues guy. Aykroyd was. So who did all that? And the fact that he really makes it work by letting Belushi, you know, be the lead in, in a way. But Aykroyd just being that straight guy and right to the point nails it. From what he did with Coneheads, great. Wild and crazy guys, awesome. His Jimmy Carter. Oh, yeah. I, I almost forgot about that. Classic. How good his Jimmy Carter yeah. is. Yeah. Um, it's funny how much our lists are overlapping. And, and, I, di- and I really didn't expect it to be like that. Me neither, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean. you Oh, is Ackroyd on yours? Yeah, we're very close to him. Oh, okay. But uh, um, I'll say, so I, I don't want to, <clears throat> you know, go on and on if you have them too, but. I think it's just important, you know, from like Fred Garvin, male prostitute, to doing Julia Childs, his range and ability to kind of connect it. Because let's be real, the first president spoofed is Chevy Chase as Gerald Ford. When you look back on it, he's not really doing, you know, Gerald Ford fell twice, but really it's just Chevy Chase falling down a lot. And, uh, yeah. it, it, you know, it's the first one and it, it helped put SNL on the map. But me, to me, what we judge the the SNL like the people who do the president impressions by starts honestly with Aykroyd and Jimmy Carter and how he did that and kind of had like a you know n- trying to nail the voice. He was still Aykroyd. He had an, he had his, his mustache and all, but 
kind of playing that, like, you know, Jimmy Carter's, like, smarter than, like, you know, the next guy in the room and kind of answering the questions. I, I, I kind of just really loved how he did that. And that, to me, I know it's not technically where it starts, but that's where it starts where I look at, yeah, he is the guy who you do avoid. It has to sound like him, and you can kind of play it up, and, and you, you put a twist on the character, but you, you can't just be like, I can't just be, hey, I'm Jeremy Dove, and I'm Barack Obama. And like I'm talking like this, but I'm I, I'll just say I'm Barack. Like it doesn't yeah. work. Like that's just what I felt like Chevy Chase did with Gerald Ford. Ackroyd started it, and that's important to me as well. Like he made it like what it is, like doing the president's impersonation on SNL. So for that reason, he's number five because he's the first. I think people have surpassed him as far as the ultimate utility guys, but not too many. And I think, um. He's the one who really holds it together and holds what is important in what you need. When you hear that word utility, I think it's important in comedy, but it's important in sports. It's important in the workplace. You need you need superstars, right? The guys who just kill it. But you need people who can hold morale together, who can hold like like actual their performance is good but people like people gravitate toward them they like working with them like talking to them and they bring people who probably wouldn't work well together but through this person they will connect and i think that's why the utility player is important and that's why dan Aykroyd being the first one on snl should always be praised so dan Aykroyd, number five yeah um just like to go on what you're saying, like about the impression stuff with the Jimmy Carter stuff, it, it brings up a great point because prior to that, it almost seems like the whoever would do said impressions would be like, this is me being this person and I'm doing this impression. You're believing it because I'm telling you to. Right. But like he actually like really went into like, like almost taking on that more than a character. And yeah, I, Dan Aykroyd, like you can't talk about SNL without Aykroyd. It's yeah. It just doesn't exist, you know, and going on from there, you know, one of the most iconic comedic actors of all time, especially back then. I have to imagine as far as like having a cult following blues brothers has to be the biggest thing that came from SNL. You know, I think Wayne's World's up there, but like all things considered, like as far as just being a good movie, Blues Brothers has to take it. Blues Brothers is 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 up there. I, I'll say this: Blues Brothers is known, and and, that, and I don't knock it. I like the ride, like it could compare because I mean they had like a number one album, mm. like from, on the music charts at at, the, at one point. You know, John Belushi at one point was on the number one late night show number one movie with Animal House that had a number one music album with, you know, the Blues Brothers. I, I'll say this, Wayne's World, I remember for, like, the movie and stuff, is what Wayne and Garth did. When I think of the Blues Brothers, don't get me wrong, I love it because mm-hmm. of it. I'm thinking of the great musical performance. Aretha Franklin and Cab Calloway and Bo Diddley, that's what I think of. Okay. In those mo- in that movie, more than anything that those two did for me. Okay, I can understand that. <clears throat> but yeah, I definitely i so I, I agree. I agree. Maybe maybe that is where my bias comes in a little bit. That I just prefer the Blues Brothers. <laughs> um, no, I, I i i if you probably put the movies on 
it's a tough decision for me. But because the music's so great in that in that movie, that's why. Like, you know what I mean? I love like so many like artists who now have passed away and probably young kids don't really know who they are are in that movie. Including like the Blues Brothers backup band has a lot of great like they're those are real great art like blues artists in their backup band. And I think that's what I really love. And I give appreciation to Ackroyd. And Belushi did help with that too, where they wanted they weren't like we're just gonna have whoever. They want people who could really play the blues and they gave homage to blues and soul music in that movie. Yeah, totally. Like I yeah, they I don't feel like they just picked anyone. No. Um, no. Yeah. So and I like just like this I'll I'll circle back. <laughs> okay. Um, so that would make my number my number four. four. Um so this was almost a tough one and I had to, this is another one where I had to check my biases when it came to like not best, but favorites. Um, but my number four was Phil Hartman. Okay. Um, I feel. He's my three. He's my three. If I'm going to be okay, honest. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll combo it up. Um, so that's funny that we flip flopped um, because yeah. <laughs> my, my three is accurate. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I chose Phil Hartman. Because, like, he gave legs obviously to like the hater type. Mm-hmm. Um, their ver- their their careers are very similar. Obviously, Phil Hartman's career cut short. Um, yeah. But when it comes to like when I think once again like iconic sketches, um, the Phil Hartman in the mirror, like the positive mm-hmm. affirmations, uh, I love I love that. Um, the Thanksgiving with the Keisters, uh, yep. the the uh, oh the Matt Foley, right? The, the, yeah, yeah, he's in that. He's he, he's yeah, a dad. He's a dad and uh, Bill Clinton, um, very very yep. good. And uh, one of my absolute favorites was the the unfrozen the the caveman. Oh, great. I, I mean, just those four to five sketches, man, powerhouse sketches. Not that I think that he had like the most content SNL, but like as far as like body of work, he didn't miss very often. And like his range of roles to play are incredible. Not many people played the plain white bread dad as well as he did. And I think that I think that Will Ferrell is close. But like as far as like just that plain, like, hi, how you doing? Like that, that, uh, oh man, Phil Hartman just cut that right to a T. And, and, and like you said, there's like, when it comes to like the type of comedy that comes to SNL, like there's just a few different lanes and that like center lane of just the very, you know, straightforward and very almost like thought provoking along with the impression stuff that was just totally paved like phil hartman just i I don't want to say he started it because i don't think he did but he really took it to another level and was able to have other other people following his footsteps to take it to another level well it's 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 kind of a connection because it's funny we're and we're mentioning them all Ackroyd was on the show first and then phil hartman when he gets hired and around you know uh the summer of 86 for the 86 87 season 
says that he wants to be because everyone's like, well, for your generation, you want to be like Belushi. He says, I want to be the next Dan Aykroyd. And then you look at Bill Hader when he gets hired. He says he wants to be the next Phil Hartman. So it's funny how they are, you know, like, you know, one from the 70s, one 80s and then another guy in the the 2000s gets hired. And you can see and Farrell's in that lane, too. Mm -hmm. uh, But you can see where they kind of take from the other guy and put their twist to it and how important that humor is to comedy in general, but definitely to Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, obviously, like a little sidebar as far as like the Phil Hartman and, and Bill Hader connection goes. Like, I'm sure you watch the Comedy Central roasts to at least some degree. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Natasha yeah. Leggerio? Yes, I, I can't. I can't remember exactly which. I want to say that it was the James Franco roast, where yeah, I believe where right. she says that Bill Hader, you're this generation's Phil Hartman. Hopefully, it is one of the darkest jokes ever said on a roast, but one of the funniest. Like just be just. I I, I always bring that up whenever I draw the comparison, because. I remember just like not expecting that at all um, because of obviously Phil Hartman's untimely death. And, but I always just sidebar that whenever I bring that up. Cause it's no, no. And, and I, I, I do remember that too. And um, Phil Hartman, both him and, and Farley had one of the more, you know, impact, like, but hit you in the gut and it sticks with you for a while. Farley, as I've gotten older, like as still, it's still, it's just tragic, but you understand it more. Well, Phil Hartman has one of the more, you just, it's still hard. And I've read that, you know, I think the thing was Mike Thomas who wrote that book about Phil Hartman and, 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 you know, his life. And I think 2020, I think it was last year had the, you know, the life of Phil Hartman and kind of went through his life, but his tumultuous relationship with his wife and what happened that awful night. But uh, just one of the deaths that really had an impact that it still felt today, but like in a, in a different way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because, you know, Farley was the you know, how many movies would he star in? But it's like Phil Hartman, just like you see, like from The Simpsons and news radio and, you know, voice acting work and being the dad in certain movies. It's like that guy probably could have worked until he didn't want to you know he he could have called the shots i feel which most people in hollywood can't i feel like phil hartman with his versatility could have done that yeah and his like almost lack of care and concern yeah yeah he definitely uh like like just like in the same breath as like we spoke of gilda gilda radner that like the artist type you know what i mean like he wasn't just taking anything and what i'll say for phil hartman as well that I, I think it's why it's great that he's, you know, the nickname from that show is The Glue. Yeah. And what I think, he's someone, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm a lover of comedy, a student of comedy, but I'm not, a, I'm not in the, the, the industry. But if I'm doing like a class to people, whether it's, especially like not take out stand up, but like sketch or comedy actors, the first person I'm showing is like study Phil Hartman, because talk about someone who, I think we, you know, when you watch comedy, you're you're looking at the person who's just doing the joke, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, like that's important. But a, as you watch Phil Hartman, as I've gotten older and studied comedy more, how huge it is to have that 
straight man or that like you know like you said the Matt Foley sketch how important to have Phil Hartman as the dad who is you know Matt Foley comes in crazy but having you know Phil Hartman going well Matt we believe in telling our kids they can do whatever they want and we'll support them and then having that to, for Matt the crazy person to play off of is so important and Matt Foley we don't think about it doesn't it kind of doesn't make sense or does it's not as funny without having that person in it you know and or even like when you have Dana Carvey doing Johnny Carson mm-hmm. but then Phil Hartman doing Ed McMahon and just going you are correct sir <laughs> and like and that's all he's saying <laughs> but it's hilarious but it, it, yeah it just like means so much more than just those like those words I it's, it's yeah. yeah you're right and like Phil Hartman like is like in my opinion like the the John Stockton of SNL. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just the perfect passer. Like and but can also just drive that comedy ball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's it's almost he's a lot of that stuff never would have existed without Phil Hartman. Be, being yeah. the almost the take back from that. You know what I mean? I don't want to say like the comedy mm-hmm. relief, but like just the 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 cool like the downswing to the upswing. I think um, I'll say this because, and this is a testament, but because Dan Aykroyd's movie career became so prolific, and as time went on, you don't think about Aykroyd as doing like the being the glue on the first five years, and you think about him, and because Belushi is such a figure, his tandem with John Belushi, I think Phil Hartman's the first guy to make that utility player glue guy role like famous, mm. like to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a really solid point that when I think Phil Hartman, I don't attach him to one person specifically, but I do attach him to being the 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 best second man ever. Yeah. Like that's yeah, that's a really good point that I didn't think of it like that cuz if you think of all the greats before that, there's always a tandem. Right. And he was like his he was able to do it wherever he he can he really opened that up to, for other people to be able to put anywhere like in a lot of these guys man like in this like say the phil hartman era back like they really set the bar really high to to yeah. to be able to do what they do like i'm sure like for a very long time it had to be very daunting to get on to snl you know what i mean the thing about the people you mm-hmm. need to share a stage with and like the people you need to sit next to and compete with in the writer's room, because like, obviously these people aren't just acting like these, these people are also putting the sketches together. Right. And, and I'll say this one more before we, you know, I'll kick it back to you, but about cause a lot of people, a lot of different lists you've seen over the years had Phil Hartman at number one. And I can't knock that either. Um, he, he's my three and, and he's Steve's four. So um, it, it's, it's huge. But I'll say SNL, that, that gap, you know, that first year that Lauren came back, 85, 86, was a disaster, you know, with Downey Jr. and, and Anthony Michael Hall. Like, and it almost got canceled, honestly. Mm-hmm. But they came back and, they, you know, you bring in a Phil Hartman, you bring in Carvey, you know, they have Jan Hooks and Nora Dunn there, Dennis Miller, you know, Lovitz was already there. But, like, that era, you know, kind of saved the show again you know eddie murphy saved it and then 
those guys save it. But then you look in the early 90s, a lot of those guys, like, leave. And there's a few, but, like, Hartman, Kevin Neal, and Carvey. But I really look at Phil Hartman, how huge it was to bridge that gap to – in the early 90s, he gets really young. It was, like, Rock and Sandler and Farley and Schneider and Spade. And that comes in the early 90s. And how important it was to have Phil Hartman bridge that gap. Yeah. I think, right. you know, we, we can't undersell it enough. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So he was your four. He's my three. So uh, I guess should I get I guess I'll give my four and then we'll give go back to your three. Yes. So my four is Dana Carvey. Okay. Yeah, I was expecting that around this this part. And you said a lot for him. I, I'll say this. I think it's weird, and that's what history does that for a lot of stuff. It doesn't have the impact it did. For me, growing up, Chopping Broccoli was one of the iconic sketches Mm. of SNL. I feel like it's kind of like lost because, you know, so many things have happened since. But that, for a long time, was one of the more iconic sketches and moments in SNL history was when Dana Carvey does that. Um I I this is one sketch I never liked by him, but people loved it. Was like the church lady sketch. Yeah. Um not my type, not my cup of tea for me, but it people talk about something that like got quoted a lot and got referenced a lot. It it, it was that. People really did like uh church lady. Yeah, I mean if you noticed I also didn't bring it up. Because <laughs> because I that is not one of my favorites, and you know I under I understand the the quotableness to to the sketch, but like for me, I, it just didn't resonate with me the way it did with other people, and so like I just totally I'm just relating that I understand what you're saying by that. Yeah, I'm sorry if you hear my Man, son I, in the background. It's okay. <laughs> hey, this is. This I think people you know know we're we're adjusting here. It's not you know not the the world we had pre pandemic, so it's all good. But it's uh it's something I I'll say this just you you said it with his Bush sketch Hans and Franz yeah. Wayne's World. He just showed that ability to kill it by himself and the like. He he to me is the star of those late eighties sketches like era. Yeah, like he's the guy. His impersonations, we got to talk about him being a great imper- – like, one of the funniest moments to me is when he went on Weekend Update and did Dennis Miller to Dennis to Miller. To Dennis Miller, yes. Um... One of the funniest <laughs> moments to me in the show's history when he – and talk about nailing it. It, it, it. I And to me, Dennis Miller isn't someone I would think to impersonate. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he is unique in his own way and his cadence. But the way when he did that and talk, I think that might be as far as not the funniest, but the most dead on impression he ever did was that one. Cause he had the cadence and like the nodding after a joke and the, like the little laugh, like, you know, like I thought that's one of the best. And I think that to me, I, I give it huge, like could work well. You know, Hans and Franz, Kevin Nealon, Mike Myers with uh, Wayne's world, but great and it standalones with the church lady and chopping broccoli and, and just could do that. So Dana Carvey's one of those guys who just striped it and did it for so long. You know, he had like an eight year run on the show and just really killed it. So I, I think Dana Carvey is someone who 
just is a bright, shining light. And that's not the people I gravitate and I think are the best on SNL usually. But there's a few who are just they just they they just stripe it and they kill it enough. Dana Carvey makes that list for me, so that's why he's four. Yeah, I I, I love that you brought up the Dennis Miller thing because like I thought about that too. And when I was thinking about that, like I think about how many people have attempted something similar. Like how many people over the years do you think came on the Johnny Carson show as Johnny Carson? Uh, like yeah. a lot. And, or how many people, like, I'm pretty sure Will Ferrell has done something similar. I, I almost think that he went on Letterman as Letterman and he did, I think, I know inside the actor studio with James Lipton, he would do that stuff, like, and Lipton came on, and, and he definitely did that. I remember that. Right. And uh, so, like, but no, that, just the Dennis Miller thing, uh, like, he had everything so fine-tuned about him that it was, it was, it was almost eerie. Yeah. It, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. It it really was. And I think um, he's someone who I feel like in a weird way, as like we've gotten older because we're in the same age group, yeah. his legacy has kind of – and he and I think also for what happened post-SNL has hurt him. But when I hear people a part of the show and even like Lauren Michaels talk about those great – shining stars in the history of the show one of the first names he mentions is dana carvey and i think like it's weird that like i felt like he got talked about so much growing up that now i feel like i would never have thought dana carvey on snl would be underrated but he is and i i, I think it's crazy because he just killed it yeah totally now you're <laughs> number three so my number three is accurate because i don't i feel like even just, I, I just don't think you could do the list without him. Um, as far as like what really me attributed to him being number three was that a lot of the stuff in the very beginning, the first five years, were his like brainchild. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? A lot of that was like if you want to think about like the tandem, the like the great tandems, really like Ackroyd and, and Lauren, like the way like. And, you know, along with everybody, like, you know, and obviously, like, Ackroyd and Belushi is is one of the biggest powerhouses. Like, the way they complement each other and being so different, you know. A lot of people complement each other while being slightly similar but very different, but they are just polar opposites. And, yeah. and they there is nothing unnatural about it. And, uh you know, everything that happened after it, you kind of covered everything when it came to Ackroyd because you're very good at that. <laughs> and I, that's why I always fear having somebody lower or higher on a list than you do because you're going to cover it so well that I don't want to repeat myself and just. I well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that um, there's not really too much to say more about Ackroyd, but like Ackroyd, in my opinion, definitely ends up on the rush more. Um, I, I, I'll throw this in, and even though, um, and we'll, I guess we'll go to my number two after, but I'll just say 
it, we're talking about people's careers on Saturday Night Live. That's that's the the premise of this show. Where we're talking about greatest cast members. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise though when you look at it. You think about people on SNL nominated for Oscars. Dan Aykroyd nominated Best Supporting Actor for Driving Miss Daisy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and I don't know if anyone else has been nominated for an Oscar from the show. I think Bill Murray did eventually. Did he get nominated for like Lost, Lost in Translation? In Translation yeah. But for a while, it was just Aykroyd had that. It's, I feel like there's somebody else, too. I feel like we're missing somebody. We might be. I I, I know Murray got it a bit, but much late, you know, later. But <clears throat> I don't think anyone, definitely not before. No, Aykroyd. no, no. I don't think it was before. I think it might have been around the same time Murray got his nod. Murray, did Murray actually, I think he might have actually got an Oscar for Loss in Translation. Yeah, I thought he didn't. I I don't think he won. <clears throat> I mean, I'm. Not... I feel like no no cast member has won an, an Oscar from that. Now Howard Shore, the musical director in the first five years, has an Oscar from Lord of the Rings. He did the music for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So there is someone with the, the SNL connect who has an Oscar, but I don't think any cast member has won an Oscar yet. I could be off, I, I, but I'm thinking. I don't think any uh, someone. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I'm trying to like briefly look it up, but I yeah I don't. I'm not seeing anything stand out immediately. So it's probably talking about people that have might have gotten it or like should have gotten it. But yeah, <laughs> but uh, I was almost. Yeah, that's I'm I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm I'm smoked when it comes to knowing that. It's it's funny because that's usually like my wheelhouse, and I feel like I should know that right off the rip. Who who would have been nominated? Like I'm sure there's plenty of people that like should have been nominated. Like I honestly think like, and this may be like unpopular opinion as far as like a written screenplay goes, that Mean Girls should have been nominated. Oh, I, I agree because that movie, I agree. that movie talk about timeless. I like. I remember when it came out, it's just like this campy teenage girl movie. That movie is written so well. It, it's like, and like the performances are great. Like, I don't think Lindsay Lohan is that great. She has never wow, mm-hmm. wowed me off the screen. But, uh, you know, just, you know, Tina Fey in that movie. Obviously, that movie is kind of like in central, like about her life a little bit, um, as far as I know. And <clears throat> there's just like other things about it, but. I, I I hold a very dear place in my heart with that movie. No, it's a phenomenal movie. I think it's I I don't know outside of her being the head writer, the first female head writer. I think it's the best thing in her career, mm-hmm. and I I think it Lindsay Lohan was in people's minds for so long. If you take away Mean Girls, I don't think she's there. I think that's what because that movie and her performance and how good of a movie that was is why you know. I think she stayed in in people's minds. Probably, in my opinion, too long, but yeah, it, it's because of Mean Girls. So, no, absolutely. Um, so I'll go to my number two, <laughs> and you spoke on him earlier, but I'll give it. I, Will Ferrell is number two for me. Wow, I did not. I did not see that coming. Yeah, he's number two. Um, I have to give it to him, and you did. See, you talk about me. I appreciate the compliment. I could say the same for you because that was going to be my point of 
look at the tandems that he did and like from working with Sherry O'Terry with the cheerleaders, Rachel Drax with the, you know, the, I forget the name of the couple, but the lover, like, and how funny those were. Uh, Chris Kattan, like, like the Roxbury, just different pairings he had with people. And like, they're like, kind of like their own comedy duo within themselves. Um, I never thought, I thought Dana Carvey would have had, and people may say he still does. It's a debate. I thought for presidential sketches and impersonations, Dana Carvey doing George H.W. Bush would always be a lock. Mm-hmm. What, like you said, Farrell did with George W. is phenomenal. I mean, to a point where I think it almost helped to, like, swing the election. I think it had a part. I'm not saying George W. Bush, whatever, like, SNL, like, got him, like, helped. Like, that's why he won the election in 2000. I think it definitely swayed people's opinions about Bush as likability. And then to the flip side, give Daryl Hammond credit. But like Hammond looking, I mean, Al Gore looking boring compared to Bush. I think that played a big part in people's minds in 2000. And I think you just have to see, and you nailed it with uh, that ability to be the regular guy and kind of just take it up a notch and just kind of play off is huge. Yeah, yeah, um, it's totally. it's just phenomenal, and I think he does a great job of it. And I think you you have to look at it for a long time. <laughs> I think maybe all seven of the years he was there, he carried that show, and he had a lot of talented cast and writers with him. But you know, I think of like the late nineties and early two thousands. That's you can name it like that's the Will Ferrell era. And with the, and certain people have that uh, in SNL's time, but if you have like that era, I mean, I still do think. I, I don't know. I think as far as a individual sketch, like more cowbell is so iconic. Uh, is is that the most iconic thing to ever come out of SNL? It depends on which. As far as like. Because I, 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 that's a one-time sketch, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, everything else, like, a lot of other things we're going to talk about were recurring. Yeah. You as, know what I mean? As far as a one-time sketch, though, I don't think anything beats it. Right. And that, that's where I, I think it's huge. Because even, like, the presidential things, they're recurring. You know, Tina Fey doing Sarah Palin, she did that on multiple episodes. That was a recurring thing. Yeah. You know, um... For a you know Wayne's World's recurring, though I think that's how popular it is. I think more cowbell in a way is now the impact isn't bigger. Wayne's World had movies from it. More cowbell is just as famous. I mean, it really is. Like like you said, I think it's more iconic than Chippendales with Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I like I feel like more cowbell goes like somewhere in that like one to three slot. Yeah, it's a Mount Rushmore for a sketch. It has to be because you look at it, so many people involved in that are have had great careers. You know, Christopher Walken has had is a great acting career, and I think it might be up there. That's how crazy it is what people know him for. And that is not what it should be because he's had a great acting career, but – that sketch is like maybe top two of what people know Christopher Walken for. Um, Jimmy Fallon's career afterwards, 
I bet you people still will remember he's in that sketch. Yeah. Will Farrell's career, what it was, that's the thing I think people will say first. It's more cowbell. Yeah, uh, I couldn't, I definitely couldn't agree with you. Blue anymore. Oyster Cult. Yeah, Blue Oyster I don't, Cult. And that's a great song. I don't know if it's in people's minds. Like, for like guys like me and you, absolutely. I knew that song before that sketch. Right. So many young kids know that song because of the Will Ferrell sketch. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing like I personally love that I forgot to mention about Will Ferrell is his self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the fact that like and like I love that he knows what people say about him and he plays on that. Like even just down to him doing a drum off battle with Chad Williams from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah. Like that's like one of the best things on the internet. That actually makes me for like ten seconds like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's where different. To, uh, that'll be another podcast in the future about. Yeah, we could do a, a top five worst frontmen in history, and uh, I promise you, I'll get into it. Oh, <laughs> uh, we got that. That's definitely for the future. That's definitely I because I definitely have a lot this, but. No, I I do think you're you're right, and um, he kind of followed the Phil Hartman, but I think you know Phil Hartman's genius was those regular guys who like, hi, how are you, but can be kind of like slimy. Mm-hmm. And Will Phil Hartman did that great. Will Ferrell took it a different angle, which I respect. Hi, how are you, but very like neurotic or insecure, or you know, but like they have that like classic suburban dad like hey how are you i'm joe nice welcome to our home you know do you want some cookie like he has that vibe but then he'll take it on a weird kind of angle and i I think that's he does really great with that yeah absolutely like phil hartman almost has like a backhandedness to it yeah and he just like will ferrell just gives off a very i've been crushed by life and insecurity yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely like absolutely i know you mentioned this in another podcast but like the his character from kicking and screaming is just like a perfect 360 of that oh yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i tell people i'll say if you haven't heard it on this podcast like you look up go on you can go on by youtube will ferrell's audition and there's other people's auditions but just him him doing harry carey one of the best impressions i've seen you know, him doing Robert Goulet, Celebrity Jeopardy, how great that is. Oh, my. Yeah. Like that, that versatility of he is to me. If you look at the great combo. All right. We talk about like either Belushi or, or Bill Murray. They were the guys who striped it. They were like the the big jump off the stage kind of guys in that era. And Aykroyd is the straight man. Carvey is like that. And Hartman's the straight man. I feel like. No one can do both like Will Ferrell. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I you know we've talked about that before, and but I totally couldn't agree with you more on that one. It's funny. I I'm just I'm very shocked how similar our lists are. I am too. I thought it would be a little more more different, kind of like that Scorsese episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very but, um, very different. Yeah, they're very different. But I I, I like it. It's good. It's good. Now, I did – so he's my – did you give your two? No, I did not. So let's hear your, your number two. Uh, my number two is Bill Hader. Um, this one was – I 
this uh my one and two actually took the least amount of thought because kind of how I broke up one and two were different errors. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, who's going to overtake who? And I think, honestly, it just hasn't. We haven't had enough distance from Bill Hader for him to be number one. Um, <clears throat> but, man, did the run that he put on, not a single dry spot. Uh, I, like, from the impressions to be also another one, being a glue guy, you know? and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that he took from SNL and did in other places or the things that he used inspiration from SNL and took in other places. Like it's funny that we're referencing this twice. Um, the, the James Franco podcast or the J- James Franco roast, the Mr. Hollywood. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. And another one with the, him, with his self-awareness that like, he's just, he's kind of very plain, but in all the perfect ways. And that I, I always think it's funny when like someone who is a great comedic actor or a sketch actor or a comedian that their impressions kind of overtake their career. He's one of the ones where I feel like it's 50 fifties mm-hmm. where, where he, he's not just like, obviously the impressions stand out to me, but, and it's not even always just the impressions, his character acting in, yeah. in those sketches are are incredible that you can give him anything and he's just like i'll make it work <clears throat> and like i said that that war veteran puppet thing oh man i i could talk about that sketch all day just how how simple and like how funny it is and i look at it by the other people that he was in the sketch with and they're not that great to me you know, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, it's it's Kristen Wiig, and um, I'm trying to remember the other gentleman's name. Um, either way, regardless, uh, you know, I he had a run on SNL that I think for the future is going to be hard to match. Um, like, obviously, we'll see, but like as of looking at like casts right now, I just don't see it happening for a while. I yeah I I think so and I think um to back it up like just a little bit like I think what I'll give about Bill Hader what makes it impressive is I think a lot of people after seeing Phil Hartman then you have those you know people who watched Will Ferrell it's it's a known thing especially in that you know sketch comedy to kind of be that 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 great glue guy and I think you look at like a Jason Sudeikis and other people try mm-hmm. to do it so there's like it's weird i feel like there's competition now for the glue guy that like past eras didn't have and bill hate like i i don't know jason sudeikis doesn't even ring a bell to me when i look at like what he did with like compared to bill hater bill hater just striped that era and yeah. just killed it and i think that's where it's even kind of impressive in its own way. I don't know if I would say more impressive, like right now, maybe I will, but like the fact that like other people try to do that and mm. can't compare to what Bill Hader did. Like now, like it's a known thing. Like, Hey, get on SNL and be that great utility guy and be that middle. Like when Phil Hartman said he wants to be the next Dan Aykroyd, that was like weird. People are like, what? You don't want to be like Belushi or Billy Murray. Like that was like, like the response he got was like, Oh, like that's odd. But yeah, like, yeah. Now, 
people saying it won't be Phil Hartman. Oh yeah, like, you know, everyone's going to jump up at that when you're in that world. And the fact that like he took that spot over and just killed it. And um, I think it's going to be hard for people to really embrace. Cause I think if you kill it like he did, you're going to leave earlier. So I think you're right that it's going to be hard to match it because it'd be hard to have someone. Because he, he, you know, now we see with Bar- I think Barry's one of the best shows on TV. You know, which is kudos to him. Yeah, but he, he didn't really fit like as a leading guy. So like he wasn't. You couldn't see him leaving like crazy. Like he did great supporting roles in these comedy movies, but like. I think other people would like try to jump out to Hollywood quicker. Like he stayed at SNL long time, you know, wrote for like also on South Park, helped out there, but just kind of, you kept seeing, you always would see Bill Hader, but it was like SNL was his home so well. And I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to match that career. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think I'm thinking our number ones are the same. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to have to say, I think they are. So are you I'll let you say who 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 who's your number one? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy as well. Eddie Murphy yeah. as well. I did expect that because I feel like there's one answer. <laughs> Just I, to be I I'm glad. Now I knew you would there's no way you could do a top anything list with SNL not have him. I wasn't sure if you'd put him at number one. I'm glad you did. I'm a little surprised, not greatly. I knew he'd be in your top five or three, but like number one, I'm a little surprised. I am, but in a good way. Yeah, I mean, like we we've kind of like briefly kept touching on it that he created his own vehicle without a lot of the support that other people had. Yeah, which you know says says a lot about Eddie Murphy. You know, um, and like. It's it's fucking Eddie Murphy, <laughs> you yeah. know, one of the most naturally funny people on the planet. He can be this giant personality on stage, or you know, he can be <clears throat> he can be written in as a secondary, but he's going to steal the show. He is, and I know this is about just about, and I'll and we'll both keep talking, you know, get to it in a second about what he did on SNL, but. Of a place that has been a vehicle for so many comedy superstars, he still is hands down the biggest star, in my opinion, to emerge from SNL. It's Eddie yeah. Murphy. And yeah, I think yeah. the, the numbers show it, the box up, but I still think just of iconic, like, whoa, like when he does something, everyone is talking about it. Eddie Murphy's still the biggest name to come from SNL. And, you know, for a show's 45-year history with so many legends and icons and superstars, that that is impressive. Like, so, you know, that's his post-movie, you know, post-SNL stuff. Like, that's still very impressive. And I think – and Bill Hader's interesting, but while I'll say, to me, it will be hard for Eddie Murphy to be surpassed. There's a few reasons. One that I think – maybe that isn't as obvious is it's important to say, we said earlier in the show that Lauren Michaels was not there for those five years. Yeah. And, and I think I say that because what we've seen with Lauren is he is big on the ensemble. 
And I don't think you would have had a crappy cast like 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 you had those four. Like Eddie was there from eighty to eighty four. You wouldn't have had a crappy cast like that if Lawrence producing. But yeah. no one has carried a show on SNL's history on his back by himself like Eddie Murphy did. And I think that's why cause I don't think we will see that where it's like really it's a one man or a one woman show on SNL. Yeah, and, that, and that's a good thing, but I don't think we'll see that again. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. So like that that like proposed my question like what is your favorite uh, Eddie Murphy skit, <laughs> or do you have a favorite? Uh, there's so many. There's so many. Um, if you look at now, the one that people love the most, I think is a great talent, but it's not my. I don't really like love it. The James Brown hot <coughs> tub, like she did one time. <clears throat> yeah. That is phenomenal, um, really. But like, that's not my favorite. Yeah, it's I, not mine either. I have two moments. And I don't know if you call them sketch or what, but um, all right, I'll say. So for me, when Stevie Wonder comes on and is hosting, and it's mm-hmm. the sketch with Stevie. Joe Piscopo, Eddie, and Stevie is saying that he's, you know, he like to sing like Stevie Wonder, and he starts singing and he's purposely singing like really bad. And Eddie Murphy's like, nah, nah, nah. And Eddie Murphy, this just shows like that's why he's like he's the MJ of comedy in my opinion. Eddie Murphy does a dead on Stevie Wonder, you know, singing My Sherry and more, and and just nails it, and the crowd goes crazy. And then yeah, I'm shortening it up for time. But then when Stevie starts to, he belts it out. And this is Stevie in his heyday. Belts out yeah. my Sharia more. And the crowd goes nuts. Even Joe Piscopo breaks character and goes like, woo! He, you know, he's losing it. And then like the, everyone's on their seats. And Eddie Murphy's like, nah, man, it still sucks. One of the best things I've ever seen. Like, that was just so <laughs> funny and, like, the perfect way to handle it. And for me, it was, like, a short film. Like, these are my two top. Um, and probably it's a personal thing where like my family loves Eddie Murphy and this is what we always talked about. It's like talking about like, and it sets up great, like, you know, and in prison, we have the next, the latest great poet mind and he's Mr. Tyrone Green and they show him like in his cell and then, you know, kill my landlord. Kill, and then pretty <laughs> yeah. much C-I-L-L, my landlord. It's just hilarious. Like just killed it. Those are my two favorite. I mean, there's so many, but those are my top two on SNL. How about you? Uh, Mr. Robinson is definitely is definitely up there. Uh, of course, the the Gumby skits, um, they're great. There's there's a ton. That's hard. I like. I, it's funny. I know the Stevie Wonder thing you're talking about, and I love that too. And I it's that I, it's funny that I, I didn't think of that coming into this mm-hmm. but like that moment is just is definitely as far as like things to i guess go off script yeah has to be has to be the, the best thing ever to come from that and because that's one thing i love about snl is that they don't cut out the breaks right you know what i mean and it's just that's just pure natural perfection in comedy you know what i mean like there's like i like i don't think any other group of people could have did that together you I know agree. i agree and and like i like that you reference him as like the mj of comedy 
because like there's there's other people that do like that are like a three like a triple threat like he is like but are definitely not as funny as Eddie yeah. Murphy is. Yeah. He's like you have Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. who 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 can kind of do it all. Great, yeah. But like but Eddie Murphy just takes it a step farther. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the guy I I think you know I look at just stand up like Pryor is like a goat. Chappelle's making a run. You know Eddie Murphy didn't do stand up long enough. But I look at every aspect of comedy. Eddie Murphy's the best to me. I got to give him credit for that. And uh, I look at even I'll say this: within the past five years of the show's history, the best things I will say is when Chappelle hosted the Saturday after the 2016 election. And what mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy did last December. I mean, I I haven't been that excited for an SNL episode, I think maybe in my lifetime, than when Eddie Murphy came back to host. And like the buzz. After, after, after 35 years. Yeah. And the buzz that it got. And I'll say this now. SNL lots of times has great sketches, like individual or a few great sketches. But as an episode, I'm like, okay. Maybe one of the best episodes I've seen ever of SNL where from 11.30 to 1 a.m. was hilarious when it was when Eddie hosted it, you know, the, the Christmas episode last uh, December, which is like really the last episode, I think. I don't know how many they got. The like last known episode before the pandemic hit and it kind of got crazy, you know, mm-hmm. was, was that one. And I thought that was like phenomenal. Yeah. Um, there was like when I think of like different – different things that like have definitely got me excited again about SNL. I like, I attribute the same thing though. Like when I heard like, especially like the Eddie Murphy coming back after all the controversies and like all the things, and it almost seemed like he just vanished from any type of mainstream media. And I was like, wow. And like, what a ballsy move. You know what I mean? Of all places to go back to, you're going to the place you're going to be parodied. Mm Mm-hmm. And like it's no, you know, no holds barred to the subject matter of your life. Um, so I, yeah, that's. And I think. Uh, I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say how great it is that we're ending on 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 the same note. Yeah. You know? No, I'm I'm glad I'm glad because a lot of growing up, I had to with other people who love the show. I almost had to like argue that, and I thought everyone's opinion you, know, you have your opinion but i kind of thought like no i'm gonna be real like you're you're stupid you're crazy because yeah. he's maybe you could put like number one because it's known now all right this era leaves a new era comes when eddie murphy comes on and that cast in 1980 saturday lives on for five years it's not known and it's like you're replacing like the beatles of comedy and there is no snl today without what eddie murphy did in those three really and also how short of a time he did it in because for part of that 80 81 season he's, he's a like a featured player it's really three years and the impact that that still has to this day for really three years like 81 to 84 it's incredible no one else we're looking at really did it in that short of time on this list but Eddie yeah, Murphy. A, a, a lot of these greats, they made a run over a decade, almost two decades. He did it in, in five years and without without Lorne. Without Lorne, with no help. I mean, it's the Eddie – the show literally is on his shoulders. I've heard that being joked about other casts, but no, no, no. 
it's Eddie Murphy or nothing. And to take in, Eddie Murphy is 19 years old when he gets hired in 1980. Wow. I, oh, wow. Yeah. Man, that's, I, that's crazy. I, I guess I just didn't know that he was that. I knew he was young, but 19 to, to have like some kind of, yeah, just like to have like the comedic sense that he had about him. It's just that's uh, might be the only person to ever be that great that young. I agree. You know what I mean? Like, because think about how young he was when like Delirious and Raw came out, like crazy, and like the things that Eddie Eddie like birthed along with him. You know what I mean? Like Charlie Murphy. Yeah. Like, like we would have never got some of the best Chappelle things without Eddie Murphy. Correct. And like not not just as an influence, but directly. You would have never got Charlie Murphy on the Chappelle show. The most one of the most iconic episodes in all